Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Yes, we are driving it home. And I have to tell you, Joan Esposito never has to apologize to me for anything. Uh, I am never, I just, I love listening to her show. She has great conversations and the stories, that story about being at City Hall and uh, not realizing it wasn't going to be like Sacramento, California's City Hall meetings. Because um, I felt that way when I went to Springfield in 2015. I went years before as an advocate for services for children with disabilities. And then in 2015, I went down there as kind of, not a, I'm not a journalist. Can we, I need to make sure we are all clear on this. Jonas Pazito has uh, developed an incredible career as a journalist. She's now a commentator. And I, 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 it always cracks me up when I see comments about, if I'd known Jonas Pazito was a, was a liberal, you know, I never would have paid attention to her. Only that means she was an extraordinary journalist because you never knew. That's what made her so great and makes her so great as a commentator because she has that, that breadth of knowledge and that experience. Uh, but I, I agree. When I went to Springfield, uh, I remember there was a legislator that made fun of me because um, it was um, represented now Senator uh, Sarah Feigenholtz was like, Patty thinks that we, we should be paying attention to every single word everyone says here. And it wasn't that I just it was there's like there's so much open disdain and disrespect. And it always cracked me up when a legislator would stand up and say, with all due respect. And then they would go on to say, like, the least respectful thing about their colleagues. Uh, but I, I am with Joan. Um, I uh, <laughs> I was there for different reasons. I then Joan covering City Hall and I was in Springfield uh, really trying to get to the bottom of why Governor Rauner had made such catastrophic cuts to our budgets and uh, to services that really um, so many families depended on. So what a so many great conversations today. And uh, I got an email. I'm on all the email lists for Dems across the country. And one of my emails today was that the election 2024 starts tomorrow. And I didn't read the rest. There's so many incoming political emails that I get that I, I just can't read them all. But in my mind, I was like, that's interesting that tomorrow is it, you know, the now that we'll know what happens in New Hampshire. I, I don't know if we're uh even in doubt that it'll be Donald Trump, but something that Joan said earlier, I agree with, which is I think that Nikki Haley should stick stick with it for the rest of the, as long as she can, as long as she's got the money and the and uh, you know can turn out some votes. Partly just to see them go at each other, um, I have no problem with that. And they most likely do need her to say in it in the event that something happens, whether it's in a, you know, a conviction and he has to serve time or whatever that, how that unfolds or something physically happens. And a lot of folks are talking about these speeches he's given over the last few days where he, yesterday it was, and I, and I probably, I probably should have pulled the, uh, the clip, but he says something like, we're in an, we're in a death penalty institution. We can't, we can't solve problems. It's, it's, yeah, it's really crazy. Um, mistaking the other day Nikki Haley for Nancy Pelosi, and then the cover was, uh, and then he talks about running against Obama, which he never has. The cover has been, well, I'm making fun of both of them. I, and I, and I'm, I'm acting as though Obama is the one calling all the shots and all these 
part QAnon, part crazy, part cover. Uh, let him let him keep talking because he is a grifter. He is a con man. He is a liar. And we need to keep saying that over and over and over again. He is dangerous, not just to democracy, not just to our constitutional democracy. For all, all of a sudden, I love that all of a sudden right wing conservatives are experts on the Constitution. Well, actually, we live in a republic which is supported by the democracy because power comes from the people. But they don't want it to. That's the thing, because or at least not their kind of people, not the right kind of people. And I am also tired. And I, I think that um, I had a, 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 a not a revelation today, but it occurred to me that we have a lot of folks who perhaps listen to this show. And because I often have an irreverent tone, I can sound as dismissive as my conservative counterparts. So I think that people sometimes take things personally or it feels like it's it, it, I'm reflecting on them. And, and there's no way for me to do that for you individually. And one of those is in regards to religion. I respect everyone's right to worship, to follow their path, their religious and spiritual path in their own way. I do not have any tolerance whatsoever for people who try to hurt others by swinging the bat of religion by saying that my religion says so you can't do that it's just, it, it is I, I can't it is it is not the way we are going to be able to to proceed in this country is if we say that your religious beliefs have to sidestep to have to go around everybody else's rights. And, and the reason I bring up Christianity in regards to to migrants, to asylum seekers, because the folks that are screaming the loudest about deport them, shoot them, let them drown. None of these are in line with Christian values. Not at all. And and the idea and when it comes to the right to have access to the full range of health care for women and you say that it's killing babies, that is based on your religious beliefs. And maybe there are atheists that agree with that. I do not. So that's your belief. My belief it is that that is not murder. It is health care in, in whatever way, because I again, I see people over and over again. Well, if she she doesn't have time to go across state lines to have an abortion, but she had time to spread her legs. Really? How dare you? Maybe I woke up angry, Andy. I think I woke up angry today. And it's not only because Robbie and Greta didn't didn't get nominated for Barbie. I mean, the the fact that Ken Ken gets nominated and not Barbie, you know what? That was the point of the whole movie. Ding, ding, ding. They got it. They got the gist of it. You know, I should probably separate this emotion from talking to listeners. Our number is 773-763-9278. The number again, 773-763-9278 to join the conversation. You can also text us. I want to give a big thank you. I I feel like I I kind of... um, brush past our, our sponsors sometimes and maybe they don't want to be lumped into this rage either but I want to thank our spot I think Kirk Banks said's good with where I'm going with stuff uh, so is Warren and so are the, my friends at Kids Above All Kirk Bankstead is going to be opening his new tap room in Madison, Wisconsin uh, and of course you can pick up one of his incredible progressive brews here in the Chicagoland area if you go to the Patty Vasquez show page you can see pinned there right at the page some of the locations around us and they also have on their website he's he restocked the woke 
coffee mugs. I'm going to get a woke mug. Say woke, folks. I, you know what? I, I have no problem with saying that. Say it loud. Say it proud. Because uh, it means being empathetic. It means fighting for tolerance and justice. That's what it means to me. I also want to thank our friend Warren Price at European U.S. Collision Center over at 4080 North Broadway. Uh, it is. I'm guessing, I know he usually says during storms he doesn't get a lot of calls, but this was slick. This was a uh, a very icy 24 hours. I Last night, I walked out to my car at about 7.30, and I was like, okay, I'm going back inside. I have uh, those toe cleats, those ice cleats that I use. So I, um, oh, do we, are we a little, uh, let me see if I can fix that. Oh, we'll fix that later. If people are watching on the live stream, I have to fix the focus, I think. But uh, I, I want to thank our friend Warren Price. I'm sure that he got a lot of phone calls from the uh, few fender benders that must have happened out there. Also want to thank our friends at Kids Above All for all their support as well. Go to Kids Above of all.org help them in their mission to support children to reach their potential support kids who have survived trauma and tragedy and uh, do the best you can you can you can volunteer you can donate resources they often have backpack drives toy drives mattress drives so check them out at kidsaboveall.org thank you so much to our sponsors who make these conversations possible more after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Now on WCPT 820. Okay, I'm. we're back, folks. I uh, went out, out of the studio to take a, a deep breath and, and do a lap around the office. <laughs> Sometimes I need to do that. I'm like, oh, I'm a little angrier than I thought I was. Didn't see that coming. Hey, Jim in Chicago. What's on your mind, my friend? Hi. Uh, yeah, Patty, how are you? This fragmented media, so-called media, if this was Biden making these mistakes, speech mistakes, it'd be on the every channel around the clock. Yeah. Uh, Republican yeah. radio had a yeah. real quick. He yeah. made a couple of mistakes, and they played it over yep. and over and over again. I have not heard one of these ridiculous comments coming from Trump on any of the stations or the news, for that matter. So it shows you how one-sided this affair is. Yeah, I'm trying to find the clip and right now because I, I want to have it on a loop. You're right. I need to have it on my board. Uh, I, and I, I agree. I want to play more of these so that people realize what we're talking about. Because somebody I heard I, I saw a, a conservative on social media post a meme of something that uh, Biden said on 60 Minutes. And I went and I watched the clip and he was asked about, you know, what do you think about your people, what people say about your age? And, and Biden kind of stumbled through it. And I thought, why didn't 60 Minutes? They had the they had the time and could have cleaned that up from you telling me that everything that Trump has said or Marjorie Trailer Green has said was everything exactly like everything gets edited. I'm not sure why they 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 seem to have left that in. Not that he didn't do it. That's fine. I just thought that, that it was unnecessary. Well, he's trying to find an answer. The, Sometimes you try to find an answer for a question. You know, the, the president of CBS and everywhere else knew that Trump made him a fortune with his uh, yes his popularity, whatever. So they pushed him because they know that they can make money with that. They don't care about the country. They care about money. That's what they care about. I'm reinvigorated. I'm 73. When I look at Biden, I think to myself, my God. Don't be such a slug and get you. You might have another, you know, a second wind here. You know what I mean, Pat? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean I, that. I, from, I, I, I mean agree. that from the bottom of my heart, and I, that you know, goes for a couple of my siblings too. That you know, that are around my age. You know, I think to myself, my God, maybe we've got a little chapter left. 
That's exactly and, right. And not only that, but there are 50-year-olds that are not as sharp, as experienced, and have as much insight as President Biden does. Who wouldn't? Age can have, be a factor, but the fact that he's taking care of himself, that he's healthy, and he's doing a great job for Americans, I'm all in. Yeah, so am I. And real quick, seven thousand women have come to Illinois to receive uh, health care for uh, abortions. And what puzzles me is they don't mention what, how the expense they, they should interview every one of these. A lot of them, I, I don't blame them. They don't want to go public. But what what was the cost? Where, who was their family members? Who drove them here? How did they get here? Who did they have to uh, leave in the lurch to get here? And uh, you know, well, you know what I mean? Every, a lot of everything you think the, of. The scary thing is, is that with all those questions are the exact same kind of charges that Republicans in Texas and Missouri and places like Wisconsin, they want penalties for the people that help them, that help them get out, you know, take who knows whether it's transportation, uh, helping them search for someone to provide the care. Like all those people in the minds of right wing nut jobs can be prosecuted and charged or charged and prosecuted. Whichever it's, 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 it's anyway. They, we, we'll hear more and more. This is only a year. How long has Roe be down? Now, a year and a half or something? Now the yeah. stories are getting, you know, piled one after another after another. Yep. And, uh, anyway, uh, dear God. Here, here, wanna, gotta see, get, here, Jim, let me see if we can hear this. Let me see if I got this right. Hold on. Uh, maybe I don't have it on. How do I? Nope, I don't have it. Ah. I'll try to figure it out. I was trying to listen to some of the audio of his speech last night. All right, I'll find it. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, don't worry. But my point is that can you imagine if this was Biden? The media would be all over it because they'd love to get this, this race close and have everybody biting their nails. And I mean, well, that's just a profit motive in it. But uh, yeah. we have to live with that. But uh, if, if Biden makes a mistake, and plus he has a speech impediment, which is really. My mother had a speech impediment, and she told me as a child, you know, that she was embarrassed in school. You know, you had to get up and talk and so on and so forth. And she worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. And she has different words that she couldn't pronounce correctly. And if you're speaking extemporaneously and you're digging for a word, you're digging for a word that you're familiar with. If you can't pronounce it correctly, you pick another word. You know what I mean, Patty? Oh, yeah. I grew up in a household, a uh, bilingual household, because my mother was just learning English when I was born. And I often, I still sometimes will struggle for a word. And I'll say things that are, to, I, I can't quite imagine how I'm supposed to say them, because in Spanish, they sound differently than they do in English. So just, I, I struggle with that sometimes. And it is, unfortunately, part of why I talk so quickly. I've been, I've tried to work through it, too. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, no, the speech impediment thing is neither here nor there. Yeah, but, but anyway, but anyway, uh, to me, the GOP front runner sounds like he's getting goofier and goofier yeah. by the day. I don't know about anybody else, but he sounds. By the time this comes around July, I don't even know what he's talking about. Anyway, Patty, you have a great show. Thanks for taking my call, dear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I do think that there are a lot of folks I'm seeing. And I, look, I saw the interviews in Iowa as well. A lot of uh, voters who had previously chosen Trump were saying that they were voting for anyone but Trump. And we're seeing that out of uh, New Hampshire. But now we have only two candidates. So we'll see how that uh, how that works out. Let's go to uh, Roosevelt. Roosevelt's got some predictions about New Hampshire. What's on your mind, Roosevelt? Roosevelt? Don't, don't tell me you're making pancakes again, Roosevelt. Hello? Okay. We'll try Roosevelt again in a minute. I really want
want to get this audio, but there are a lot of uh, a lot of interviews with people who say that uh, that Trump is a a threat to our democracy uh, out of New Hampshire. Let me see if Roosevelt, Roosevelt you there? Hey, Roosevelt. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yes. What's going on? Okay. How you doing? Hey, listen. Love your show, man. Hey, listen. You're right on point. <laughs> is that the weekend show? <laughs> oh, no. But hey, you're listen. right on point, and so is Jim. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just You're right on point, and so is Jim. He stole some of my thunder about that uh, the gaffes the that uh, Trump makes. But uh, did you see the report? Uh, January 15th, I believe. I don't know. I, I don't know where, you know, where I read it. But two thirds of the Canadians are worried about us as far as our democracy. And they said we're done for. I don't know if you read that. January 15th, Canadians. Oh, really? Um, so, okay. I just, so I just want to make that point. But here, let me just say one thing. I, I've been saying it for the longest. And I'm not sure if it's Joan or somebody else on WCPT has said the same thing. Trump is not going to be candidate for the Republican Party because of what you just mentioned earlier. This guy, there's something wrong with him mentally and physically. There's something wrong with him. You guys are talking about gaps where his, about his voice. What about physically? Remember going down that ramp? He had to hold on to the general's, uh, a general's uh, elbow because he was worried about falling. Remember when he grabbed a glass, a half glass of water with two hands like a squirrel? So that's another one. And he's had a lot of gaps. Remember, uh, he couldn't close a, an umbrella. Yep. Okay. So there's gaps all over the place. Signs, in my opinion, that he's not okay physically or mentally. So either that's going to do him in or it's almost impossible. All the things that are going to come up between now and Election Day when it comes down to lawsuits. Remember, the court decided that on January 6th, people that were hurt, even cops, even the cops, even the cop that you had on live. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but I know he's Latino. So the, the, all this is going to come up. It's almost impossible to beat everything. Let's not forget, he's got 91 charges. Okay. And all the other stuff that he's got, I believe four, as far as four times he was, he had to go into court and give his, um, his uh, the last one was his picture, his mugshot, and uh, his uh, it, it, all the information. But but anyway, so I'm I'm predicting that he's not going to be the candidate. Well, here, and I, here's, and, um, here's what I think. Uh, just uh, one. Of, did you ever see the movie Dave? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying with. Um, what was the actor's name? Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein, right? Remember, he, Klein, yeah. he looks. He he's an impersonator of the president because the president has uh, suffered a stroke and he's on life support and all these things. And so for about what six weeks, uh, these you know Washington insiders prop him up, uh, prop him up, and uh, and actually Charles Grodin somehow fixes the budget. Do you remember that? He kind of shows up in his little Volkswagen, his little uh, station wagon. Anyway. Uh, the, those were very, remember it was very powerful people from the inside propping him up. The the thing that I have was that you said almost impossible for him to get through all this and successfully be the candidate. But the almost part, the part that the 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 just smidge of possibility are the ultra 
powerful, ultra wealthy who have benefited. Remember, I mentioned this earlier the week in the week reports came out. Data shows uh, that the five most wealthy people in the world doubled their incomes since 2020, their wealth. They doubled their wealth, not their incomes, their wealth since 2020, in part because of those massive tax cuts he gave to the uber wealthy. They have every reason in the world to pump as much money as possible into propping him up. So that's the that's the, the, the part of the possibility there that I see is that they because he is their he's basically their Trojan horse. They put everything in him that they want. The Supreme Court, the tax cuts for the wealthiest controlling the you know, our judiciary, our courts. It's he's their Trojan horse and they have everything at stake to keep this monster rolling. Okay. I'm just saying. All right, let me hear the, Now let me rebut you back. What about the women in this country? What about the rights that he took away? What about him bragging about he did he did in Roe versus Wade? You don't think that that's going to bring out younger people? I can do what you I want with them. I can, I can grab them by the vagina, making fun of disabled children. If yeah, there wasn't exactly. some, but I'm saying he did that in 2015, and you have, and then we have even stronger mom groups like Moms for Liberty Biberty coming up and, and banning books. And there, there is now. Did you know that in Oklahoma, just this today or yesterday, the the woman behind Libs of TikTok is now on their library board. Those some of those moms have become incredibly powerful. And, and remember, we talk about how you and I and a lot of people who listen to the show marinate in this. There are a lot of folks who it's background noise or they hear parental rights. You know, we had somebody it's from the station talking about, oh, Moms of Liberty is just a parental rights group. A lot of people don't even know how much power these groups have been have been gaining and just, just disseminating their hatred and their lies and their manipulation. Sorry, I, that's that's where I, I, I'm not disagreeing that it's 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 highly possible he won't make it. But the part I just I don't want anyone to let their guard down because we do need those moms oh, to hey, be hey, engaged and enraged. I'm going to go. Yep. I'm sorry, I interrupted yep. you. Okay, but I'm going to go slightly on your side for a little bit. Just this morning on a Spanish station, I, I, I know I always bring it up. There was a guy also Mexican saying that abortion genocide. Genocide. That's what he said on the air, you know. So there are people that are backing him up, including Mm -hmm. the uh, Latinos. You guys mentioned it, you and your guest yesterday. Uh, I think of the lady. She's fantastic. Puerto Rican lady that you had. Oh, isn't she great? Carmen Navarro's coach. Yes. Carmen Navarro, yeah. Um, But but, but to your point, yes, I'm going to say that. But I here's the thing. I said it before, and I tell my mom, because she's always asking me, what do you think is going to happen, son? I said, the same thing is going to happen. Young people are going to come out. As much as they're against Biden, because I know you're going to push me back on this, about the war between Israel and, and, and Hamas, as much, I believe a lot, a lot of faith in people like your kids, my kids, and I know a lot of them are not informed, but they're, they get organized within days weeks and they don't do any in polls and all of that garbage that the adults do or watch Stephanopoulos and all those guys, you know, so I have a firm belief because it's their future, Patty. Yeah. To Here, me, here's I, their future. I, I, Listen I'm, to this. Listen to this. Hold on a second. I think uh, Andy, thank you so much for this. Here we got this uh, up. I've seen shots that you wouldn't even believe missile launched. They go missile launched. And you hear a bell go. I mean, I see this. I like I, it's so incredible. They calmly walk to a seat. Ding, 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 ding. They've only got 17 seconds to figure this whole thing out. Right. Boom. OK. Missile launch. Pshing, boom. 
to most un- and we don't have it here. Yeah, that's that's that that was is, yeah. is a former president of the United States who people in their hearts believe is still the president of the United States and should have a and, and who they think they should be a dictator. Bing bing boom boom bing 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 bang bang bing bing boom. And, and, and here's another thing you could count on Trump. Could count on Trump saying most ridiculous thing. So imagine what he's going to say between now and when the actual uh, election is. And imagine how, imagine how much he's going to get our side to vote. Yep. They're going to get their side because he accomplished what he's boasting about, which is Roe versus Wade, which is a abortion issue. But here's the thing. I believe, and we've always said it before, there's more Democrats in this country than there is Republicans. Yep, got to get them engaged, and they've got to get out to vote. I agree. Got to get them engaged, and he's going to get them engaged. I hope so. I hope so. Between now and then, he's going to do things, going to say things that is going to bring more of our side. In other words, what I'm saying is that not even, and here's a question for you, two questions I got for you. What do you think about that latest thing about AI and the Biden thing that they that they put out those uh, robo calls? And what do you think about the fact that? Um, well, now I forgot the other. That's part. okay. Let's go with that one uh, because anyway. I got to run to the break and I've got other callers. But right. with AI, AI, look, the AI, yeah. they, uh, the, this is like anything else with technology. Everyone is playing catch up when we should have been kept. Everyone is trying I, to I, get ahead of it when they should have been doing things years ago. And legislation has not been out there to protect. Russell Crowe and my friend Billy Gardell both had to put out posts about how th- the ads with their images and their voices are not them. We are going to see this entire election season with AI. And you guys, you we talk about making sure you do your research. Oh, God, I hate saying that. Do your own research. It's such a right wing point, talking point. Do your own research. Here's this. Here's go to the Heritage Foundation to learn the facts. <laughs> um, I don't know why they sound like the penguin. That's <laughs> one of my favorite Jimmy Kimmel jokes about uh, everyone saying talking about Biden's age. It's like, you know, look, yeah, Alfred might not look like he can hold down the bat cave, but you don't turn it over to the Joker because you think he's too old. Sorry. Just, let me get to a couple break, a couple of uh, calls before we bring in our guests. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind, my friend? Hey, I heard you talking about uh, with Roosevelt, and I, I agree with a lot of what Roosevelt said. I, I think he's on point. But you also mentioned the uh, the Trump tax cuts, and it's very true that it made the uber wealthy um, wealthier many times over. And a lot of that was done at the expense of property owners, homeowners in blue states. And so that Trump tax cut is set to expire this year. And I'm just surprised that people in blue states are not just blowing the phones off of their senators and their congresspeople to make sure that they reinstate the deductions, the full deductions for mortgage and property taxes. Because one of the things that's really driving the unaffordability of of housing in America is the fact that that uh, they elim- eliminated a lot of those benefits? Yep. And so I would just, in, you know, imparting your listeners, I call my congressman, I call my senators, I send them emails and said, because I haven't heard anything about them doing anything with it. 
And I called them and said, you guys really need to get on this and, and get on it now because I don't want them to say, oh, well, it's too late. Now we have to wait. Well, it let me, really that's a really good blue, point. Yeah, because it really hurt blue states. Yeah, it hurt a lot of blues. It, it hurts. It hurts everybody. But in blue states, because we do use so much of our property taxes for education, whereas red states would rather underfund and cut programs for education. Sure. Uh, and I, I know that there are people who are upside down because of their property taxes. So I, I will reach out to Congressman Quigley because he's always uh, pretty good about jumping on the phone with us and walking us through some of this and find out how we can yeah. contact more of our electeds to bring the alarm bell. I'm so glad you called, Mike. No problem. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I've got to get to a guest, Dave. So if you can, if you can, I, if I give you a minute, does that work for you, Dave in Hoffman Estates? <laughs> oh, uh, why not? Okay, you know, go for it. I, I give you a minute. I'm going to okay. give you a bell when it's up. Go ahead. Okay. The, I was going to talk about that uh, military veteran charged with attacking the police with the baton during the January 6th. Well, he got released from custody a day after his arrest. But the uh, funny thing with this guy, when uh, he was in Iraq or Afghanistan, he has charged with manslaughter for fatally shooting a handcuffed civilian in Iraq approximately 20 oh, years ago. Really? And, yeah, and he's one of them. They got him in the, the full battle gear and whatnot, you know, crashing through the through the windows and stuff, you know, with helmets and pads and all the stuff. And he he had, they also found an AR-15 rifle with ammunition when they uh, searched his home, you know, being dishonorably discharged and being charged, he shouldn't be having the weapons, you know, firearm. Thanks, I got I to run. <laughs> okay, you owe me that next time, like Roosevelt got. Thank you, thank you. I know. <laughs> All right, talk to you later, Dave. Wow. Look, listeners fighting with each other. I got to run. Listen, we've got a great guest coming in studio. We're going to talk to our friends about the women in, in politics and Democrats in Illinois. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I am so excited to have in the studio with us our friends from the Illinois Democratic Women, a statewide grassroots organization. And joining us in the studio is the co-president, Kim Savage, and board member, Jennifer Franklin. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Hello, hello. Uh, I uh, I have been a Democrat my entire life. Uh, and I mean that because my dad was a Republican who took me door knocking when I was six. And I was like, well, this feels wrong. <laughs> Whatever we're talking about here, I don't know if I agree with any of it. But uh, no, I, my mom was a de- is a Democrat. Uh, so tell me a little bit. Kim, let me start with you. First, where did you grow up, my friend? Um, I actually grew up in Lamont. And I've lived in the Chicago suburbs most of my life, except for a couple of years I lived in Corvallis, Oregon, and uh, one year I lived in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, how'd you like those places? Uh, Corvallis was beautiful. I would imagine. And uh, but I, it was the middle of a recession out there, so I came back Ugh. to Illinois and. That's where my family is, right? Sure. Yeah, I, I find it very hard to leave my family, and I love Chicago, like a lot, a lot. Uh, what got you involved in politics? Basically, I 
I've always been interested, but I got really interested during the Bush v. Gore problem. Uh-huh. And I have been active ever since then. I've been an active precinct committee person. I was the chair of the Downers Grove Township Democrats for quite a while. I am, in addition to being co-president of Illinois Democratic Women, I am also vice chair of the DuPage County Democrats, and I started the DuPage Democratic Women uh, in 2007. And a lot of progress in DuPage, too. It's, it's really remarkable. And I and I wonder how many people were engaged. I mean, Trump did it for a lot of folks. Uh, for me, that's what the inspiration to run, right? I was engaged politically, but I was like, okay, if this guy can become president, surely I should be running for something. <laughs> right. I think it did happen for a lot of folks. But I agree with you on the Al Gore, uh, when they stopped the count. I, I, it's going to be like people talk about dying angry about Hillary. For me, it is Gore v. Bush. It's, right. it's hard. And I, did you did you find that a lot of people were as sort of yeah activated? a lot a lot of people were activated then, but not as many as were activated. <laughs> When Trump got elected. Yeah. And and actually today is National Run for Office Day. That's great. Well, let's talk about that in a minute, too. Okay. How do we get folks get to run for office? Because I want to find out from board member Jennifer Franklin, where did you grow up, my friend? I grew up in East St. Louis, Illinois. Oh, boy. Yeah, so southern part of the state. So right across the river from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and... I know you're going to ask, so what got me involved in politics sure. is really interesting. My mother was a precinct committee woman growing up. Okay. And, of course, and I have to preface this, this was, you know, East St. Louis, Washington Park, Illinois politics. So pretty much, so everybody was black. And that made the dynamic a little different for my mother. And because the way it worked was, like, they didn't care who you voted for to work on a campaign. They just cared about getting out their voters. So my mother always voted Democrat, but she didn't always work for the Democrats. Sometimes she'd work for the Republicans. Really? Like, yeah. Okay. So she was like, her loyalty was to the party, like far as her vote, but who she would work for during a cycle, it kind of varied on like which friend got to her first or what kind of, you know, like. It, no, that happens yeah. here too. I mean, like mm-hmm. it, within the parties, but who that does kind of make me a little bit crazy. Whoever gets to you first exactly. is where your loyalty goes. Yeah. Yes. So how did that, how did you find coming? out of that sort of system and, and moving toward Chicago? Well, it was, okay, so what happened was when I grew, when I got older, Bush v. Gore, that was my first time voting. Oh, My I'm very so first time voting <laughs> uh, was in that election. So that was a whole crazy experience. So that's what kind of activated me. Like, I knew about what my mom did growing up and stuff, but I myself was just like, oh, that's just her thing. And I thought that it was kind of crappy being a precinct committee person because back then there were no cell phones as your job was to sit at home and call all had all these drivers organized to pick up the phone call people to make sure that everyone got their ride to the poll so you're either the first person voting early in the morning or the last person voting voting at the end of the night and i thought that was crap so i was never (laughs) interested in it but of course fast forward bush v gore and i ended up going to law school and, and i was being i was actually in law school in 20 2004 
when in Ohio, when Ohio became the Florida of 2004. So I was one of those people who I was actually a poll monitor that year and out in the cold in Ohio. Oh, God. And yeah, and yeah, it was a mess, but it didn't deter me. I joined League of Women Voters, I've um, been a member pretty much ever since, everywhere I moved, and then like stayed involved in politics everywhere I moved to. And then when I finally moved back up to Chicago, because I moved to Chicago right out of law school and then back home, then came back. And actually met Kim when we both lived in DuPage County. And, of course, I got involved there as well. So, yeah, it's been a ongoing journey. I think we both had the whole Bush v. Gore was yeah, pretty much. Yeah, sounds that. like it. Wow. My first, my first vote was uh, for Bill Clinton, my first presidential race, oh, uh, wow. the first his first campaign. And uh, Carol Mosley-Braun, who I voted for, mm-hmm. and I uh, was very excited. And she's been making the rounds again, too. Yes, she, to see. She's going to be keynoting the Democratic uh, party of DuPage County Gala on February 18th. Excellent, excellent. I, yeah, I uh, I was I remember it was it was so long ago. And we, I'm 52. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there in case people were like, "How old are you?" The we had the curtain when you had the you know we had a, we had a curtain. Oh, we had like the yeah. levers and everything. It was I was very excited. I was like giggling and clapping. I'm like, "Oh, Carol Bosley Braun." <laughs> uh, it was it was very exciting. And and I and, and to the the difference between 1990 was that 91, 92, and now where we are in 2023. I I mean, obviously, so much has changed. Social media, uh, you know, but also the energy. Uh, I heard a, a comment yesterday about how when they poll Democrats and Republicans, like, do you want a candidate who will negotiate and work with the other side? And Democrats mostly say yes, and Republicans say absolutely not. They don't want them to compromise at all. And that has only gotten more deeply entrenched. So, you know, we are in a state that is solidly blue, but that doesn't mean that we, you know, in DuPage County has grow has become bluer uh, with a lot of work from groups like yours. So what are you seeing in this election cycle? What is what is getting folks activated, not just in our state, but I'm guessing doing work in other states as well? Right. The the choice issue is still a big issue uh, around the country, not as much in Illinois, but you know you never know what's going to happen, and we have to be yeah. cognizant of that. And in Illinois, we are serving many, many more. Um, you know, patients from out of state who need to come here for our help. And we're glad to be in a state that trusts women. But the other part of it is, even though Illinois is a reliably blue state, there are parts of Illinois that are just very unfriendly to Democrats and unfriendly to women. And so we are working closely in some of those areas to help build up those areas, just like DuPage County did and Kane County and the far south suburbs have done to get more Democrats elected and, and involved. But it can be a lonely place for a Democratic women in Southern Illinois. You're saying, I got to move to Southern Illinois. I would love to, you know, I would love to move, because I don't want to move out of state, plus I can't for my other job, but I would love to move to Southern Illinois and like back some of those women up and be like, what? I feel like bringing a lot of like Chicago or suburban moms and be like, let's do this. Just move to I, I, I would imagine. I mean, I, my sister lived in uh, Carbondale for, for many mm-hmm. years. So I'm familiar with uh, a lot of the I mean, I was telling somebody that we should be the first in the primaries, don't you think? Because yes. we should I mean, because we have states that uh, I mean, Jacksonville, Illinois alone, people left Jacksonville to join the Confederate Army. Like we have mm-hmm. so, rural yeah. Illinois in the southern part of the state would rather be a part of Kentucky. 
<laughs> and there were people in the southern part of the state that participated in January 6th. Yes, yeah. well, Chicago, too. Let's yeah. 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 <laughs> but a lot from <laughs> southern Illinois. Fair. That's yeah. fair, too. Uh, so, and Jennifer, what are you hearing when you when you talked? I know we, so abortion is one of the issues, and, and I don't know what your perspective is on that because I feel really bad. I'm going to go ahead and apologize, uh, being an older woman. Uh, I mean, I... I, I uh, sorry, <laughs> we, we thought we, we, but we, but what are you hearing from folks? How how engaged are they? Whether it's abortion or other issues. Well, obviously, abortion—that the woman's right to choose—and just seeing it as healthcare is the one big thing that I've been seeing people have been really harping on. And I, when I talk to people in particular here in Illinois, our one thing is is that we still can remember Rauner and just reminding people, like you know, that was a pretty. That was not a distant future, uh, distant past. Uh-huh. That was pretty close to where we are now, and you know, and reminding people of that. And whenever any rounder comes up, that's what gets people more energized. And we're like, wait, we're just like, that yeah. was a governor ago, a cycle ago, yeah, that two cycles, just, right? Yeah, like, that was just one governor ago. And so for us to get complacent and think that oh, we're firmly blue, um, when you just just bring up that name. <laughs> It it tends to like snap people out of it. At least that's been my experience when engaging with people about the importance of voting and not getting complacent here in Illinois. So, yeah, just remembering that, you know, we're just one governor away from from the last Republican. So, yeah, let's not get complacent. I'm glad to hear that because uh, he is the, the reason I went from, you know, being passionate to being really involved to the point where, I mean, I, I was developing all these uh, connections in Springfield and in and Chicago and City Hall. And, and uh, you know, there are people who maybe don't know, you know, uh, what, what, how do I get involved in, in groups like yours? Because you do a lot of online engagement now, too. We all do. And that's so helpful. So how do people find out more? Because we're going to go to the break in a minute. We're going to talk some more. But I want to make sure people know where to go. Um, so our website is www.IllinoisDemocratWomen.org. And we are currently revamping that website, so it'll be changed up a little bit in the future. We also have a Facebook page and a Twitter, an X page. An X page, excellent. So we are, and uh, do you want to share with anybody, like uh, any, any, like you said, it's on, going to be on X, and uh, and tell people, do you have an event coming up soon that people maybe want to know about, so they put it on their calendars. Um, we will be having an event somewhere in the su- southern suburbs on April 6th. Okay. We don't have that. It's a social, okay. social event. Uh, we also are going to be doing a Zoom uh, Women Wednesday with Senator Duckworth on February 28th at Excellent. 7 p.m. Wonderful. And uh, so anyway, that's the Women's Power Hour in Chicago is coming up in, in the spring. Right. Uh, you have a bunch of great uh, events coming up, uh, including Blue Lobby Day, the tentative mm-hmm. Women in Blue Lobby Day in Springfield, also coming up in the spring. So we've got to be on the website because I maybe we go with you guys because I want to do I want to do a field trip. Remember when we were kids and we do mm-hmm. field trip? We, we went to Springfield. I don't know where you guys went for your eighth grade trip, yep. but we went to Springfield. Do you remember they had a remember all the smorgasbords in Springfield? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? They're all gone. <laughs> I'm very sad about that. So for the only time I ever saw some frog legs. Just, but anyway, let's do a field trip. Maybe we go with uh, with IDW. Again, uh, IDW, our friends uh, Jennifer Franklin, board member, and Kim Savage, co- uh, the co-vice, co-president of Illinois Democrat Women. And that's at IllinoisDemocratWomen.org. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. This. Oh. 
that was that's my fault again. How did I? Okay, let's try it this way. Listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez in your communities in Chicago on WCPT eight twenty. We are hanging out with Jennifer Franklin, a board member of Illinois Democrat Women and was it Democratic Women? Now I'm back and forth. Okay, Illinois Democratic Women and co-president Kim Savage in studio with us. Go to IllinoisDemocratWomen.org. That's IllinoisDemocratWomen.org. This is okay. I, can I just for one second, because my husband's like, which one is it? Because this is the grammar that makes him crazy. <laughs> it, we are Democratic Women, right? Kim, for folks who don't know why he's calling us a Democrat, uh, Democrat Women is a little bit harder on the ear. It's mm-hmm. just it, it's just the way it's used. Um, so going into the general election, you know what? Can we do this for one minute? I have been trying very hard to explain to folks who are angry about certain issues. Let's say in Missouri or Iowa, where they're like, you know, they're blaming the president for what's going on, you know, with their the economy and their wages and things like that. And I'm like, that's. You have $7.25 as your minimum wage because of your local government. Mm-hmm. Do you run into that a lot? Jennifer, you're both, you're both yeah. nodding your heads. I'm going to go with Jennifer first. How, how, do you have, what do you, how do you break that down for some folks who are not quite getting it? Well, usually, which is interesting, um, I have to start with basically giving a civics lesson yes. on how okay. government works, like on the local level, like, mm. you know, your mayors, your city council, and then talking about the state level, your state reps and your state senators, and then branching up and explaining that, like, you know, your state, the things that govern what's in your state those laws are pretty much set by your state legislature and that's why it's important to vote for them and you know it's just basically like a teaching um exercise yeah and i think one and i think that the the reason that i'm that i've been able to perfect that is because growing up on the border of you know growing up in illinois right on the border of missouri having explained to people why like yeah why people in illinois (laughs) have certain benefits that folks in missouri don't and especially when you have relatives who want to use your address in Illinois to register their car because they don't want to pay personal property tax on the car in Missouri. I have to <laughs> wow. That sort of stuff. Like, so you kind of learn quickly, like the differences and how to even explain it. So, but when talking to people out of state, like, you know, like when you're like in Ohio and other places like that, explain to them like what the federal government has control over and what their state and local government has control over is something that um, usually is just basically starting with the basics, because unfortunately, not every state requires, right. you know, civics education. Um, so and we don't have schoolhouse rocks anymore. But yeah, for today, yeah. I am still just a bill. bill. Uh, Kim, do you think I need? <laughs> should I have like a weekly civics, like to devote a half an hour every week to a civics, like a different topic in civics studies? Well, that would be great. Although I will tell you, I believe that a lot of the listeners to your show are more savvy about civics than the people who don't and need the civics lesson. Sure, but what if I? What if they want to be civic lessons acolytes? So they they get the language. Yeah, like Jennifer no, was talking, that, right? that would be good. Mm-hmm. I, you know, people are complaining about the costs of things right now, but they're not looking at the fact that inflation has come way down now mm-hmm. under this president, and you know we under the this president and the the Congress we were able to. Um, 
cut child poverty in this country, but now the child tax credit is going to be rolled back a little bit, so it's going to reduce the number of children that are out of poverty. It's going to increase child poverty, and and that's all being done by the Republican obstructionists. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest thing to explain to people is the direct impact. Like, you know, we have Indiana, Wisconsin, Iowa, all these states that are lowering child labor legislation. And the idea that, you know, that that's okay with folks, that somehow the self-righteousness of these conservative mom groups are elevated to the point where, I don't know if you saw this in Oklahoma, now one of them is on the board of the librarians uh, and in control of what children read. It, it, you know, these are things that, you know, free lunches in, for school kids, uh, all these things are, those are happening at the state level. That's not something that President Biden is doing to hurt children or again, keep people in poverty. And I, it is, it's, we have to keep banging our head against that wall. Um, we have to wear helmets. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know what, I, I mean, it's not banging our head against the wall because that seems it's just because it, it just feels that way. It's we're building, we're layering, we're putting bricks. What do you use? Bricks? What do you want to use? Like uh, wood? What do we use to build our house? Maybe well, let's go uh, with bricks because yes. Wood is easily burned. Yes, so that's a good point. To, I like that. Yeah, yeah. don't burn on. this house down. Yes, do not burn this house of knowledge down. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that the other thing is, let me before we go to the break because we're going to do another segment. If you're okay to stay for till like six fifteen or so, um, Kim, what are you doing to pace yourself in this election cycle? This election cycle, like you know, because it gets away from you. Like, it is very important to pace yourself because you can get so wrapped up in th- things that you just you can't sleep, you go crazy. But it's important to take a deep breath. It is important to have a good circle of friends that is also involved in what you're doing and believe in the same things that you're doing. And that's one of the things that we try and do within the the Illinois Democratic Women Network is create networks of friends that share values and can calm each other down and get more people involved so everybody is just can work on a little thing at a time and you don't have to you know bite the whole big elephant all at once you eat it one bite at a time absolutely and jennifer what would you say to folks who need to be mindful of their their emotional well-being and physical well-being in this election year well i would always say like try to exercise self-care um, the you know, adage, you can't pour from an empty glass, right? So you have to make sure that you're refilling your spirit with everything that you need in order for you to be able to give to others. So if you feel like, you know, it's too much and you feel drained, take a step back, do what you need to take care of yourself so that you can actually do the hard work because it is hard work, but it's necessary work and you have to be able to bring all you got to it. So the the more self-care that you take, um, the better you'll be at being an advocate and getting out there and getting Democrats across the finish line. You know? Absolutely. And I would add one thing before we go to the break is uh, uh, limit, manage your time on social media. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. it doesn't get away from me, but that will nudge like it will it will really uh, have uh, overblown impact on your emotional well-being. So please manage that as well. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Kim Savage, the co-president of Illinois. Illinois Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks, and politicians getting 
living at home with Patty Vasquez. Thank you for joining us as we drive at home. And hello to our friends listening on KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Joining us in studio right now uh, is the co-president of Illinois Democratic Women, IDW. Kim Savage joins us and board member Jennifer Franklin. Uh, again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And uh, and as our program, uh, I mean, our operations manager came in and said, uh, thank you. I realized I should also thank you for all the work that you do and everyone in your organization because it's so important. Uh, and I what do you think, Kim, when we say no election has ever been more important than this one? <laughs> and we say that every time, but it is absolutely true. It Sometimes it just seems the stakes keep getting higher and higher every election. But right now we have so many freedoms at stake. Yeah. If the wrong people get elected, we... We lose our whole democracy, and people really have to understand that. And they have to understand what Jennifer was saying before, that people need to get engaged at lower levels, and that's where a lot of the decisions are made. But we have to be engaged at every level of our government and elections. Absolutely. And and again, uh, I feel bad that in 2016, I had a lot of people calling me and saying they couldn't vote for Hillary or Trump, but so they weren't going to go vote at all. And I said, well, okay, you know what? At least go vote for your local electeds, right? For your, the people in your community. And and then, of course, we saw in Wisconsin and Michigan that t- over 20,000 people in each state left the top of the ticket empty. Mm-hmm. Are you talking, Jennifer, to – because young people are – you know, they're – we think of each group as being monolithic, and we're not. I'm guessing millennial? Are you cost- I, I don't claim millennial. It's okay. What, <laughs> just what do you claim? I claim X, Gen okay. Xer, All right. Because I'm just at the very okay. end of it, but I... By the skin of my teeth, I got in as a Gen Xer. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Our latchkey sisters, yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. a latchkey kid. I don't know if yeah, you are. Yeah. I wouldn't assume. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so you have some of the same worries that I do, I'm guessing. Yes, especially because I, I have nieces and nephews who are in their 20s. So interacting with them when it comes to voting is a really big lesson for myself on trying to figure out the right messaging. Yes. Um, because a lot of them think, like, you know, they have the idea, like, well, we survived four years of Trump before. That's, like, the big that, thing. That, like, that's freaking me out. They were like, I've you know, said, it didn't, the that. world didn't come to an end before. And then I always have to run, do you not remember January 6th? And that's, like, the thing that, like, okay, yeah, things did get crazy. You know? <laughs> like, things did get crazy. Um, and it have, you, I think that we're in a in a space where, particularly with young people, they have such short attention spans. I think it's too much TikTok, too much TikTok and YouTube videos. So everything's so short and so quick, and they don't remember to, con- you know, the, the to connect the dots. They're not used to like the long movie, you know. Ugh. And so that whole four years is like it's like little bits and snippets for them instead of them connecting and seeing the whole four years uh, the whole movie like get the whole thing um, so we need snippets and bits that are get the message across fast exactly so, and for me what's really worked for, at least in my family and with young people I talk to is January 6th because they can remember that because everybody was at home watching it you know and even if you weren't rather you was on television or on your phone it was everywhere and like can you at least remember what you were thinking when that happened and how you felt when it was happening and what do they say how, how did they feel of, that look on their face like like 
oh, you know what? Like, yeah, I remember that. That was crazy. Was it scary to them? Was it? Yeah, for okay. yeah, they thought that it was like okay, here, here we go, you know, like well, we're being attacked. We're being, yeah, and it's like and and as people of color, you know, as an African American, and you know, thinking of like you know, like okay, if if they're attacking the Capitol, we're next, you know, like they're going there, uh, looking like they're going to try to rip the place apart. Where, where where's my gun? You know, like I, like that sort of thing. Like, how do I protect myself? Yeah. You know, and it's like that level of you know. You know, it looked like war, and when you're yeah. at home watching it, it's kind of like you know, you're no, you're not in D.C., but like you know that like any there are other people watching this too, and they may think, okay, here we go, here's our second civil war, here we go, you know, like well, there's a Confederate are... flag in our capital, exactly, with and pride, just... and like we're back to t- we're here, you know, we want to finish the job. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy, yeah, yeah. What what are you, uh, Kim? When when you talk to folks, uh, you know, are they pacing themselves and ready to really, cause, uh, you know, postcard writing and, yeah. and and phone banking? I mean, most people are pacing themselves. I mean, right now we are getting ready for a primary here in Illinois, but there are other elections around the country where people can get involved and write postcards yep. too and that really helps right now they have the election coming up in new york um three to replace the the man will just keep nameless yeah. who resi- <laughs> resigned from congress but uh the the bigger work will come during the summer when there will be more phone calls more knocking on doors sure. and things like that but now is the time for postcard writing, talking to friends, having house parties, mm-hmm. and just engaging with people and thinking about how we're going to get through all this. Okay. So I should throw a support group party. So if I join IDW, <laughs> and so I can, it gives me some of the tools on how to organize one of those events in my neighborhood. Because we do, I mean, this not this area, Orange, uh, but it's a little bit conservative in this area. I don't know if you know that. Welcome <laughs> to Progressive Radio in Jefferson Park. Uh, but uh, but in the area, we have a lot of pretty solid progressive groups. And, and But the the fact is I do need to like be reaching out more with why this is so important so you you can help folks out like me we we can and also in Cook County we are getting ready to start a Democratic Illinois Democratic Women of Cook County there currently isn't one Jennifer oh. is going to be the vice president hey! of that okay and so that will also help organize people here. But I do get some people that will come to me and say, well, what do you think about this? What, you know, I heard this on the TV and I'm, don't focus on what might happen yet. Yes. Mm-hmm. Focus on what you can do to help today, whether it's a write a postcard, uh, get people to realize they can vote, get people to sign up for the permanent voting in Illinois, for permanent vote by mail, mm-hmm. okay. because vote by mail starts on February 8th in Illinois for the primary. And if you sign up for the permanent vote by mail, you will get a ballot mailed to your house at every election, and then you can sit at home and study all the candidates and fill in your ballot and then mail it back. Great. That's great. And I look forward to working with you uh, on the uh, Cook County, Illinois Democratic Women. 
Yes. Is that what I, yeah, that sounds yep. exciting to me. Uh, what did, before we go, what are, what's, what are some of the things that you want to, like you thought about being on the air and you're like, I got to make sure I say this. Was there anything that you wanted to make sure you said that you don't want to leave on the table? Because I hate for people to go, oh, you know what? I forgot to say. So is there anything you want to leave on? Well, I think the one thing I want to get across is like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to make sure people in your family are registered to vote. Um, don't be afraid to get involved yourself. Don't be afraid to drag a friend along with you. I think that the thing that holds us back is fear. So don't be afraid. Or if you're going to be afraid, feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, like just, you know, right. don't that's let, bravery. Yes. Being like, afraid of doing it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Face of fear. Anything for you, Kim? I think Jennifer summed it up greatly, and I do not have anything to add to that. Outstanding. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for coming out and, and, and explaining to folks about your organization. Again, it's the Illinois, it's the Illinois Democratic Women, IDW, a statewide grassroots organization working for more equitable, equitable representation and participation of Democratic women in all levels of the Democratic Party and government. Go to IllinoisDemocratWomen.org. That's Illinois democratwomen.org and uh, stay up to date on all the great events they have coming up because we're going on a field trip with them. We'll be right back after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM Minneapolis, St. Paul. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or EuropeanUS.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Thank you so much for joining us as we drive it home. I am excited to talk to our next guest. We are going to talk to Anita Pindier. She's the executive director of Way Back In, helping people with addiction issues, whether it's gambling, alcohol, or drugs. And in particular, we're going to talk about Way Back In, a campaign called Are You Really Winning? on behalf of the uh, Illinois Department of Human Services. We're going to talk a little bit about gambling, which I have a lot of personal uh, family experience with. Anita, first of all, Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I want to ask, I always like to get to know people a little bit in the background because I I think it does help the conversation because we could rush in here and be like, here's why we can help you and all those things. I want to find out about you and what brought you to this work. Where did you grow up? Oh, well, thank you. Well, um, I I was born in Europe. I was born in Poland and then I moved here when I was a little child. Um, I went to college and then, you know, kind of um, as part of Loyola University and being a very Jesuit school and kind of that mission of, you know, service before self and kind of making sure that we're uh, providing help to others. Um, I got into social services and then I ended up on the way back in and I've been there for about 22 years. But, you know, when you're in your early 20s, um, many things seem very exciting and unique and um, addictions was one of those um, where no one was really going into that sector and I felt like it needed a lot of um, kind of emphasis and a lot of advocacy and so I ended up about the way back in. For, for people who are trying to find, you know, young people who might be listening or a parent of a, of a young person who's thinking about college or maybe in college and thinking about what to do next, tell us a little bit about, you know, where we are with uh, the social services and helping people in our communities. Yeah, it is. Um, uh 
you know, a very topic that um, it, it's not one of those things where people kind of look at it and go like, oh, I want to be a counselor. Very few kids kind of pick that. Um, a lot of people want to study psychology um, because it seems like I want to get to know myself. I want to get to know others. I want to get to know my community. But then when you have to kind of do everything in between, get your master's degree, maybe a PhD degree, get some certifications, people start dropping off. And sadly, even before COVID, we already knew we had a shortage of mental health providers. And then during COVID, we found out that we really had a shortage of mental health providers. um, And then we don't have enough people going into the field. So it is definitely a field that I recommend for personal reasons. But, um, you know, you're maybe not going to be necessarily paid in uh, money, but you are paid in the ability to help others. And it really allows you to see the world from a very different perspective. Um, And it allows you to uh, work with so many different people and so many different topics. And it is really kind of self-rewarding. I will say, though, in positive news is that we definitely are increasing awareness of how important mental health is. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we are seeing an increase in just, you know, kind of overall kind of salary and benefits where, um, you know, it is becoming more of a field where you're like, oh, this this is okay. I can I can make a living in this. So I definitely encourage those who are trying to see beyond themselves, you know, and as you're looking even at STEM, to look at mental health as part of STEM. I do think we need to encourage more people to get involved in the mental health, you know, as, as a, a way to uh, build a future. Because there are jobs where, whether it's for the city, the state, the government too, where there is the, the longevity of, of building your, uh, you know, your experience and having just that, that solid foundation, I think. Yeah. And, and, you know, since we're already on the topic, um, uh, the state of Illinois is actually doing a fantastic job in trying to not only expand services in mental health, so really helping those who want to return to schooling for their CADC, which is a certification in alcohol and other drug addictions. Um, and so there's um, some grants, some uh, funding available, some free classes. Um, so they're really trying to help with that one, as well as the peer support specialist. And it's a growing uh, field here in the state of Illinois uh, with, again, uh, some financial help, um, even help with like getting computer and transportation within the community colleges um, here in Illinois. And it's really kind of for persons who might have been through their own personal experience of a substance, gambling, or mental health, and who want to give back as a kind of recovery coach and a peer support specialist. And, and all of those things was when our friend uh, John Harris messaged me because he's with A5, and I know that you are uh, working on this campaign together. Yes. Uh, I, I have, my father was an addict uh, in many, and several levels, uh, and he, like, he was a heavy smoker by the age of 12. Uh, was He started drinking very young as well, was an alcoholic, almost as, a, well, he was an alcoholic. Um, but when he stopped drinking, he became, the next thing was gambling. And I mean, it was catastrophic for my family. He took out credit cards in everyone's names. My credit history was ruined by the time I was 21 years old. And I, so I, I just think that people, you know, when they think about gambling addiction, I don't think they understand that some people, it, it's like, it, it's, it's, so for some people, it's that seeking that rush, you know, that I think my dad lost with drinking. Mm-hmm. I, that's just my, but that's been my experience. No, you, you're right. You're right on the money, if you will. Um, it, it definitely is about the rush, um, gambling, even though it's often, 
looks like and people verbalize that they're doing it for the money, it's not for the money. Um, you really can't. I mean, gambling is perfectly okay. Gambling should be a form of entertainment. Gambling is, right? Uh, for a majority of people, we know about 90% of the Illinois population can gamble responsibly and can gamble as just a form of entertainment. But that's all it has to be. It's a form of entertainment. And unfortunately, you know, the thing is that we all feel a rush, right? Is it like a lotto ticket or a raffle or a 50 50? Right. We will all feel that spike of dopamine and we will feel that kind of like, oh, you know, like moment. And it is that um, that really distinguishes when it's someone who can gamble healthy versus someone who might have a gambling use disorder because it's that seeking of the constant rush and that um, spike of dopamine and that kind of like ability to feel that high all the time. Yeah, it was it started with for him it started well cuz cuz again like you mentioned it used to be a form of entertainment for him playing poker, mm-hmm. uh going to the racetrack. I maybe knew how to handicap a horse by the time I was 6 years old. But after he stopped drinking and it was also the it was all the the different ways evolved in Illinois. We had the first it was the casino riverboats. Yes. And you know and all the th- because it's not just the gambling in that instance it was also the buffets and all the accessories and accoutrements, yes. right? Right, right. Like you, and it's a whole form of entertainment. And it's a whole kind of event, right? Yeah. Like yes. I get to go there and I get to gamble and then they comp me and then I get this buffet and it just it feels like you're getting something and you're getting something. And right. part of the illusion that we all have with um, any form of gambling is that we're going to get something for very little or for nothing. And I don't think we do that with any other form of entertainment like no we never feel like somebody owes us anything Ah, i'm a stand-up comic i'm gonna tell you something right now (laughs) they they for some reason think we owe them something but 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 we're often on in in casinos and on river we are we're often part and that's kind of what cheapens are i think cheapens us we're just part of the package for them right right it's right it's like oh well here's your consolation prize right you you didn't you didn't win (laughs) now you get bad (laughs) yeah exactly no you're not wrong but it, it is um so so Part of a healthy habit is seeing gambling in a different form, right? And it's seeing it not as a way to make money and not as a way to compensate for maybe a different addictions that you have lost. And we do see that there's a lot of that cross addiction that you speak of. We will see many people who will leave one and then kind of re-engage in something else. And so part of the work that we do at The Way Back In, where I work at and we are a treatment facility, is to make sure that everybody is assessed and that everybody but it gets an assessment at um, you know various times throughout their treatment. Sometimes initially you aren't sure. Sometimes it doesn't start right away, right? You have no desire to gamble initially, and then you have uh, more time, you feel better, and you have more money because you're not spending it on something else. And again, and, access. And access, right. You do it on your phone now. Right. Yeah. And access is a challenge right? because when it was only the riverboats, you actually had to like get up, put on real pants, show up. (laughs) My understanding is that back in the day when they first started in like the early 90s, they would actually dock off. So you actually had to be there at a a specific time. And now you're trapped. And then you're trapped. But they would come back. Right. Where now it's, you have access 24 hours a day to land-based casinos, but as well as your phone. And um, a lot of times, you know, we talk about youth and underage gambling and how dangerous that can be. But the access is so easy and many of them just don't understand. 
And I want to say this uh, for anyone who's listening and thinking, you know, because sometimes the first thing is a defense mechanism. Ah, it's not talking about me. And, and maybe we're not. I also want to say this. It is not about shaming anyone. I loved my father so very much and wanted nothing but for him to be happy and for us to be safe in our, you know, in our lives. And that's that's all anybody wants. And that's what we're talking about. That is right. We have to see this. And it definitely is a um, illness and it is a disease. And we wouldn't shame anyone else for having any other disorder. And and we really need to work on that ability to destigmatize and not um, stigmatize whole families um, and a person. Right. Uh, Very often what we see is that people are more than willing to party with you, participate in activities with you, right? Drink with you, go to the casinos. But when you choose that you want sobriety or you want recovery, uh, people will then isolate and people will shame. And, and that's what we want to stop. We want to make sure that we're embracing everyone where they're at and that we're celebrating them for the decisions that they're making. What do you say to folks to help them be mindful to, to just get their own awareness of what, what, what they're doing? Yeah, so, you know, kind of exploring, um, we've been exploring a little bit in some other sectors, kind of this idea of January and dry January and what does that mean to you? And so sometimes it's just kind of looking at what are my habits? What am I doing? How much of anything am I doing and why am I doing it? And this could apply to anything, right? It can be substances, it can be gambling, it can be food. So sometimes we just want to see, you know, is this cookie a cookie or does this mean more? So and that that is why we right. have mental health professionals to help you um, look and explore and kind of just see why. Um, And and then, you know, for gambling use disorders, we have created the areyourreallywinning.com website. And the website will lead you to information, outreach. There's the whole entire study that was done by the state of Illinois in 2020, just if you want to read more and kind of see what's going on. But there's also a very short survey And so people can go on there, they can take this assessment and kind of see where am I at and really be honest. You know, it's confidential. It's just for you. Um, And maybe kind of explore these different options. And then if you do find that you need some more help, there's the 1-800 number, so 1-800-GAMBLER, as well as a text and chat option. So people can really receive help and information that they feel they might need as well as their loved ones. So even if you feel like your loved one might be suffering, it's okay to go and kind of check and see and just get more info on what's going on, as well as we're trying to explore new options of, you know, maybe if you're feeling like this is too much, maybe try something different. So in that celebration, we're um, doing the art competition for the second year um, for PGAM. PGAM is Prom Gambling Awareness Month. It's the whole month of March. And so starting now, um, it's on the website. So are you really winning.com? You can go on there. You can create your own artwork and submit your own artwork. And we will be awarding um, some great prizes. Oh, wonderful. I, uh, I, and again, I want to, I want to remind folks again that this is, uh, it, it, there are people in your life you might not even know that they are struggling with this. Mm-hmm. And so if they do confide or if you do go to casinos, I, I, I remember one time I, I used, I, you know, I have worked in a lot of casinos and I've played the 
with nickel slots. I know. <laughs> so risky. It's crazy. <laughs> Someone gave me $100 one time and they asked me to play the, the $20 slots and I lost 40 bucks and I couldn't take it and I just gave them back. This, I was like, I, I, it didn't go well. I, just take your money. But this is making me crazy. It just, and I think partly because of my, my childhood. Sure. Uh, but, but I mean, there, there are people who really make it a big event to go to casinos mm-hmm. and, uh, and they, they like the atmosphere um, and even like the energy of it. It's all kind of designed to really tap into that excitement. So, sure. so you know, when when we see somebody who in our family that we want to say something to, what in your experience has been a, a, an approach that you would recommend or you've seen that has worked? Yeah, so depending on what's going on and what they need, but really sometimes just asking to, you know, asking that question, right? Um, just just being very open-minded, being very un- non-judgmental and saying, hey, I've noticed that you're spending a lot of time. Is there something that's going on, right? Is there something else you would want to do? Or if somebody only recommends any form of gambling, you could at some point be like, hey, you know, what's going on? I, I've noticed that this is just the only activity you're recommending. And then recommending kind of healthy habits or healthy gambling kind of habits and seeing if those would work. Sometimes you can recommend them as like a challenge or like a, you know, like a dry January kind of an option. So we always talk about time and amount, right? So you, I, I think you've showed a great example. You have said, I had $100, <laughs> I spent 40 and I was like, I'm out, right? Yeah. Um, no, and limit. Know your limits. So setting those healthy limits, right? What can I afford? Um, how much time can I spend on this, right? Do I have two, three, six hours for this, but not, you know, 22, right? So knowing that, you know, you have to get home, you need to get sleep, um, and really knowing that this is not a form of income. Um, a lot of times it feels like you can make money on this, and you can't because this is a form of entertainment. This is not a form of income. It's not designed for you to win. It, it is not, and that's okay because, again, right. this is just supposed to be for that pleasurable time that you're spending them and feeling that euphoric kind of high while you're there, but that's all it's supposed to be. And when you uh, when people are reaching out, you mentioned earlier that this, you know, we wouldn't shame someone for having an addiction to drugs or alcohol, and we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Uh, and so are there some are similar supports? Is this, if someone's going to, for help, is it uh, categorized medically for folks to be able to seek out help too? It is. Um, so we were very fortunate that when the DSM, the Diagnostic uh, Statistical Manual, um, the new version, version 5, was written, um, gambling use disorders got moved under addictions, and therefore they got moved under use disorders and are recognized now um, as um, a form of mental health. And so they are recognized by parity law as well. Um, so it is seen as a medical condition. That's excellent news. I, uh, it's something that I don't think was when my when when I was younger and even with alcohol addiction has always been uh, a lot of shame involved with it so I'm glad to hear that that's is that something that's federal that's across the country it that is yes that's that is good to know uh, I, I and what are what are some of the ways what's the website again let folks know I know it was one eight hundred gambler one eight hundred gambler uh-huh. and are you really winning dot com are you really winning because they do have like you know uh, TV shows or people who have social media I mean there is there's there's wildly popular 
influencers, right, that are telling people how they make a living at it. And is sure. that, have you seen that have an impact on some of the people that you talk to? Well, we do see that. We see that on youth, um, and we see the sports gambling just because of ease and access yeah. and kind of social norm. Um, and part of it, too, you know, like if you watch any uh, sporting events now, everything is about the stats and the scores and kind of how you can do this. So we are definitely seeing that it is very influential. And it seems like, again, it doesn't seem as wrong or as bad for you or even kind of underage. I know I was having this conversation with my teenagers, right? And it's always like, I don't think this is okay. And, um, you know, you can't gamble till you're 21. But sometimes it's not just your kid. Your kid might understand, but it's the whole community coming yes. together. And how do I tell a bunch of 16-year-olds, right? Um, and, well, I do, but they, they might not listen to me because I have no authority over them. <laughs> right. So how do we as a community come together and say, hey, that is, you know, this isn't okay for any of us to do and definitely not under 21. Well, thank you so much for all this incredible information. And as I, as I mentioned to our previous guests, was there something you wanted to make sure you mentioned that you wanted to cover or inform people about? Well, I, I think we just really want to share that March will be a big celebration. We encourage everyone um, to come in and celebrate f- through the, mar- the month of March for Prom Gambling Awareness Month. And if that awareness can just be checking out the website, maybe sharing the link with a loved one, um, or just being you know, an advocate, being open-minded, and um, kind of knowing that we don't want anyone under 21 gambling. Well, since you are in the area, would you come back in, in March and, uh, and remind folks? And we'll sure. talk about that. Love to. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, we're thrilled to have this conversation. And, and if anybody, you know, for next time, if anyone wants to send me a message, uh, if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you again. We've been talk to, talking to Anita Pendure. Uh, she's executive director of Way Back In, helping people with addiction issues, whether it's gambling, alcohol, or drugs. And again, the website for the, uh, the Gambling Issues campaign, Are You Really Winning, is Are You Willing, Really, Are You Really Winning.com. I should know that. I did the radio ad for it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anita. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Be well. Let's take a quick break here. We come back. We are going to talk to our, friend, our friends from Indivisible, Illinois. I think it's Indivisible, Illinois. There's so many people today. It's very exciting. Indivisible Chicago uh, is coming up next, uh, and we're going to be doing uh, an event with them in Kenosha. So we need to know about that. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. You know, after President Trump won, we were talking about this earlier, that a lot of people were activated, became more engaged than they ever had, they ever had been in there previously. And I, I know that one of the organizations we're always thrilled to hear from is Indivisible Chicago, which is one of those organizations, a, a progressive coalition of neighborhood chapters throughout the Chicago area, representing nearly 40,000 members. And one of one of the members and one of the, the uh, most uh, willing to come on the air, <laughs> I don't know, Jerry Kahn joins us. Sometimes people are like, I don't know if I want to do radio. I get really nervous. So, first of all, <laughs> thank you for joining us, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Patty, for having me on to talk about the Individual Chicago Alliance and what we're doing in Wisconsin. I like that last ad. Um, and how folks uh, can join us uh, in these efforts. Well, we have been very vocal and excited about the races in Wisconsin because our neighboring states uh, are crucial in protecting uh, our democracy and protecting women's rights and protecting so many of labor rights. Uh, but we are, we've are we been talking to Lorenzo Santos, who's running for the 1st Congressional District in, in Kenosha. We have a fundraiser coming up with him. And I've talked about how we need to be engaged and, out, engaged and enraged. I don't know about you, but I'm also so enraged. But uh, how can we help uh, candidates like Lorenzo in Wisconsin? So let's 
let me um, explain a little background of what uh, we're doing in Wisconsin and how we got there, how we look at it. Yes. So as you mentioned, uh, after the shock of the uh, 2016 presidential election outcomes, um, Indivisible developed nationally with lots of local grassroots chapters across the country, including the one here, the Indivisible Chicago Alliance. And these groups focused on action aimed at our own congressional representatives and national elections. Uh, one of the first things we were doing was trying to protect the Affordable Care Act. Um, the Indivisible Chicago Alliance and our neighborhood chapters also recognized there were lots of issues in our own state and our own city which needed civic activity, like on fair tax on a more humane response to immigration here, to reimagining public safety, many things. And so we participated in coalitions um, on these and other issues. But we also did feel then, and we certainly feel it now, that our United States democracy um, is in peril. So we have uh, decided um, to expand some of our collective energy with our neighbors um, our neighboring states and their elections. In uh, 2020, we called this our three states, one mission, the three states being Wisconsin, Michigan, and Illinois, uh, important parts of the so-called blue wall, and also swing states, two of which fell to the GOP in 2016. So how we got to what um, we call Wisconsin Wednesday phone banking is that we know that one of the most effective uh, ways to interact over elections and issues is through conversation, person to person. And when it's at someone's door, we call it canvassing, uh, which we were doing in those three states, but the pandemic hit. So to protect... Yeah, it kind of messed up our plans. So to protect everyone, we switched to phone calling into those areas. And we found we could do this phone banking, uh, that's what it's called, during the week. So we developed some catchy phrases uh, to entice some of our volu local volunteers to get involved. So we had Michigan Mondays and we had Wisconsin Wednesdays. And um, we still use that. Uh, the phone banking is useful at times, particularly in the winter, although oh, absolutely. a lot of us have canvas. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I have canvas and blizzards up there, but, but it is a little nicer uh, to do phone calling from home, and especially during the weeknight, and especially on some kinds of issues. We think it's you know, pretty much uh, almost as effective as canvassing, although I'm a canvasser. I so that's too. the background okay, that's of what uh, we're doing. And I can talk more about why we're doing it. Yeah, anyway. absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us more about why you're doing it. Because, uh, again, we're talking to Jerry Kahn from Indivisible Chicago. It's Alliance, right? Individual, Indivisible Chicago Alliance. Uh, and I, it's so much great work that you guys do. That's correct. And, and I think that and not just if sure, not just in elections, but almost like we need. Like I remember when uh, Donald Trump had the uh, 
the Muslim ban uh, right after he was elected. And I, my son was 14 years old and was absolutely devastated with the results of the election. So I, we went out to the protest at O'Hare Airport. And, and in the months since yeah. he had won, my, my, my son turned to me and goes, OK, I'm not alone. And I think Indivisible Chicago Alliance does that for so many people and, and continues to do so. Yeah, no, I, that's, I, there are other groups like us that will work on elections outside of their own home territory. But I think we're the um, Indivisible Chicago Alliance is a bit unusual in that not only do we work on elections, but we certainly work on issues um, at home. In fact, uh, one of the things I just want to throw out there, uh, we are also doing uh, phone banks currently uh, to support the referendum, Bring Chicago Home. Um, we have phone banks every Sunday on that uh, because we do think that the city council needs to get some money from a real estate transfer tax so that we can have some permanent affordable housing for our neighbors who are currently without homes. Um, so, yes, we do both. Um, and, you know, we do the, the work that we're doing in Wisconsin. Again, we see that it really is one mission, as you were saying. I mean, this is our mutual democracy. And so we're finding ways to support the efforts that uh, are being done in Wisconsin and Michigan, as well as Illinois. I personally have focused a bit more on Wisconsin. So that's why I think they put me on. Uh, the phone. <laughs> Can I talk about this project? <laughs> That's great. So, when you do the phone, the phone making, or the well, you're going up to Kenosha for this one. Is that correct for the, the next Wednesday? Well, actually, tomorrow is the first of a series of three phone banks. And when we do phone banking, um, actually, we can do it from our own home. Excellent. Um, what we're yeah, what when we canvas. Uh, we go up to to our area, and they're related. So this phone bank that we're starting tomorrow and then the next uh, two successive Wednesdays um, is a little bit different because the uh, federal elections, of course, are off in November. And even though there is um, local elections, in the springtime primaries and so on. And there are some MAGA county supervisors that uh, folks want to get rid of. We are doing um, something a little different. Um, ben Whitler, who is the current chair of the Wisconsin Democrats. Yes. Wisdom. Thank you. Okay. You know, the uh, short and form. He's been, he's been great to um, help develop, to push development not only of county organizations through every county in Wisconsin, but also what's called neighborhood action teams. And in Kenosha, and we've been in Kenosha, you know, over the many cycles now, but in Kenosha, there's a couple of areas in town that um, while there are a lot of folks who uh, have progressive values and who vote uh, strongly them, they haven't found a lot of people who are ready to take that next step into action to be the home team, as I would call it, to go out and talk to their own neighbors. 
yeah. about what's at stake and what can be done um, to change things for the better uh, in Kenosha. So we get to do what I think is kind of a fun uh, kind of phone bank is that we're going to call people that we know have values similar to ourselves um, and talk to them about whether they'd like to come to a gathering of like-minded folks in Kenosha and uh, become the core of a home team. And they will deal not only with the um, springtime elections, but also the elections in the fall. And the person you were talking about, you know, is one of the people running that might uh, flip um, the Wisconsin Congressional District 1. But also we want to per, uh, protect Tammy Baldwin, the senator yeah. there, um, and the president. So that's our first step. If we get a home team going with the organizer from the southeast Wisconsin um, and, of course, uh, the folks there uh, in Kenosha Dems, then we will be coming up canvassing because uh, some of our folks are, by this time, pretty experienced canvassers. Um, or if they're not, we also uh, get them over that hump. But we partner with uh, people who might be new to canvassing, even though that's what they, their heart is there. And uh, we do, we help in training, but we partner so they can see it's just not such a scary thing. Um, and that's one thing Indivisible is great about, is that we train our volunteers to do actions that they may not have done before um, so that we make it accessible. That's, I think, one of the good things that we do. And, and then we also try to make it fun um, and social, socially relational. And uh, we also always try to learn from everyone involved so that we do kind of extensive debriefs. So it's, it's a kind of the whole package and not just, you know, going knocking on doors just to knock on doors. So the first uh, the first thing we can do is tomorrow. Tell us about how people can get involved in tomorrow's event. So tomorrow um, and uh, this whole project, I would tell people go to uh, Google Indivisible Chicago, and what will come up uh, right under there is um, Indivisible Chicago Alliance, and you'll see a place where you can get into our website. And on our website, there's a tab that's called Daily Actions. There's also another tab where people can sign up for Daily Actions. But in our Daily Actions, events and activities that we are sponsoring or that are sponsored um, by partners in um, the greater Chicago or Illinois area, that, or Wisconsin for that matter, that we want uh, folks to know about, people will see and there'll be links that they could click and get into uh, Mobilize. For people who don't know what that is, that's just a way for us to find out who wants to do something. And uh, then we take it from there and make sure that uh, they get in, they get ready, um, and then we have a, a good a good experience for everybody uh, as well as work. I, I do have a request. <laughs> I, can I, yeah. can I have my call time from seven to nine? I know it's too late. My show's on till seven. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm trying to say, I'm like, Oh no. 
But folks, well, here's and I and I will take the hit on this, folks. You guys go ahead and register for this. Just have me out on the background. Maybe turn it down if it's too loud. Just like when you call into the show. But I I am giving you a special dispensation for not listening to the show as closely because you'll be on the phone, phone banking <laughs> for Kenosha and for with with uh, indivisible Chicago. So I, I just I want to go sign up, but I I, I probably shouldn't. Uh, I, but with that though, can I? Yeah, sign up? there'll be more. Yes. There'll be more. Oh, I don't worry. Oh, oh, we usually can yeah. Yeah, we usually canvas um, on the weekend. Yes. And uh, so that'll get posted. And we'd love you to join us. Yes. Um, and also, not every phone bank, um, for for example, Bring Chicago Home is not from 7 to 9. So you can sign up for that on Sunday. Yes. But, um, you know, one of the other things we like to have is, you know, we call it a smorgasbord mm-hmm. of all kinds of activities because, you know, we believe that uh, democracy is a verb and we got to use it uh, like that or we'll lose it. Um, so we have activities for any, everybody who wants to be civically involved, you know, whether it's canvassing and phone banking and helping them do that, texting, writing letters, uh, postcards. You know, we will find something uh, that... Uh, you know, sells their boat um, because we're all in this together. Oh, absolutely. And I want to, I want everyone to democracy the hell out of this election season. Is that, am I using this right? Is a verb? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we intend in power. So, um, yep. Anyway, yes. uh, I I think we, you know, that's what we work on to have, uh, to be very respectful for all of our volunteers. So we use their time wisely and, help everyone feel good about it. So everyone, Google Indivisible Chicago. You'll find the website. Uh, go to call calls to action. Right? Oh, action of the... Well, I, I'm going all the way back. Action. Daily uh, action. Daily actions. Daily Thank you. Action. Thank you. Daily actions. Click on that. Get, you register for any of these events. Tomorrow, again, is the is, for, is phone banking for uh, for volunteers. We're going to be... Uh, it's Wisconsin Wednesday tomorrow. So get to Indivisible Chicago. If it's not tomorrow or the, ne- or the next Wednesday, we are going to be going to Kenosha and getting this work done. Jerry, thank you and everyone with Indivisible Chicago. And please, please reach out whenever you want to uh, let people know about an, another event that you want to call attention to. We, we can do will. And bring, bring Chicago home. Uh, we would also like to highlight that as well when we have, when we have more time. Thank you so much, Jerry. I think you will. Sign up for daily action because uh, then you'll get in your mailbox what's going on. Excellent. I'm signing up right now. Perfect. Because every day, okay. every day, be, right. it's not, every, day be, every day be democracy. Wait, democracy. It's not going to, I got to figure it out. <laughs> it'll be democracy. Yeah. Yes, it'll be democracy. <laughs> Take care, Jerry. Bye-bye. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye. Let's take a quick break and wrap it up. I, I think I barely will have time to say goodnight, everybody, because this is all important conversations. I'm Kurt Bankstead from the Monocle Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer, like Biden beer, which is inoffensive and not bitter, and Extinct Elephant, a moderate red ale. Because you know those moderate Republicans seem to be going the way of the dodo. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to keep Wisconsin blue and drive the MAGA cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. To keep track of the good trouble we're making in Wisconsin and where to buy our beer, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, MonocleBrewingCompany.com. And drink responsibly. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. 
Well, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us, driving it home here on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM. It was wonderful to talk to all of our incredible guests today. Make sure that you uh, stay involved, stay engaged. Uh, we have a long road ahead of us this year, um, but we will uh, we'll, we'll get through this together. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Andy Miles, for keeping the, the ship going as straight as I could possibly keep it. Sometimes I let the, let the rudder go. You know, I let the rudder go, and I'm like, let's see what happens. So we've, we fill our sails.